This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, good morning. It's 9.36am this Wednesday morning, the 28th of October. You're listening to the SNM Show with Melissa, Julian and Chuang. Today, we're going to be looking at two stocks, Digi.com and ES Ceramics. So one big and one small. Now, of course... Um it kind of breaks my heart to say this because I looked at this talk about a month ago. Uh, I was on HTV actually with Tang Wei Lin and uh, it was about 35 cents at the point in time. Now, um, this emerged on, on the edge research algorithm. So, you know, it kind of popped up. And I was usually quite um, skeptical about the edge algorithms because it highlights the stocks that usually had tra- traveled quite a lot. Uh, but this one popped up. It was interesting because it was debt free. It was at that point in time 10 straight quarters of consecutive quarterly earnings growth okay now if you follow someone like Kun Yu Yin you would understand that basically he 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 buys a stock with uh, advancing profit growth and he sells stocks on declining profits mm-hmm. right so it ticked all the boxes it was, it was trading below 12 times earnings it was a consecutive quarterly earnings growth uh, it was it was it was catalyzed by the right sector, which is basically the rubber glove sector. And it was all... The, the, my, my problem is I didn't buy the stock because uh, I didn't have enough ammunition, right, in, in, <laughs> in the chambers, okay? So, <laughs> so, so, so now, basically, yesterday, when limit up, okay, it's not at 55 cents. Fantastic stock. Reported earnings last night. So, kind of like breaks my heart to say this, but I'm going to share it with everybody because Malaysia's stock market is replete with examples like this. Despite all the global headlines about... Federal Reserve and ECB and PBOs and well, all the stuff that's going on, there are gems in the rough. You just got to find them. Well, at the expense of going into uh, big arguments with you, I uh, just want to mention uh, <laughs> a book, a very interesting book that I read a long time ago called What Works on Wall Street, right? And of course, a lot of all these uh, quantitative uh, algorithmic um, w- means of uh, assessing which stocks to buy and sell, um, according to this book, they don't always work. But what works are always uh, valuation metrics, right? If you are a cheap PE stock is usually uh, more, so usually better than a more expensive PE stock over the long term. They perform better, uh, similarly with price to book and dividend yields and so on. But a PE and valuation metrics come uh, right on top. I just just want to. I agree what, with what you. I, I, I agree Ju- with you. Julian? What works on Wall Street? Yeah, I yeah. agree with you because that that that's the thing. But the thing is, what was interesting for me is if you're if you're a stock market uh, investor, right? You want to be. Um, um, you want to be highlighted certain stocks or certain companies. You you want to have a very good um, a screen, a, a filtering sc- correct screen, right? Correct, yeah. because you go over two thousand companies. They're reporting stuff every day. You want to have a distillation process, a a, a screener, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 actually, the age research is not bad. So data helps with this. Yeah, I mean, however it arrives with you, whether it's a Murasaki trading platform from from Dali or whatever, right? Or whether it's an edge research algorithm or any other algorithm you plan to mention. So it gives you ideas. You do a bit of research. You always have to do your, your own research. And then you come up with your own value judgment. Okay. So, so what, what does ES Ceramic do? Okay, so basically these guys are a proxy to the rubber glove sector. They make the ceramic hand formers on which uh, you know companies like Supermax and Top Glove and Hatalega, um, they you know they put the, the moles f- right the moles yeah. right mm-hmm. to fit their gloves on because every every glove has a different size, different uh, different component structure, whether it's a nitrile or or latex or whatever. So these moles are basically um, what basically t- people at Top Glove use. To uh, to test their gloves on, it so literally fits the mold like a glove. <laughs> 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 Exactamundo, right? Exactamundo. So, 
Um, if you want to be, um, if you want to get into a, a, a cheap alternative or cheap proxy to the rubber glove sector, this is it, right? I just want to cite Insider Asia as well. From a couple of days ago, they know they highlighted that among all the big rubber glove makers, and Malaysia is the biggest rubber glove uh, producer in the world. All of them, Banan, right? Super, uh, Supermax, Top Glove, Hatalega, all going on a big production drug capacity ups, upshift the next three or four years. If you want to get into this game and you want to get in a cheap way, ES Ceramics is it. Well, uh, looking at some of the valuation metrics, uh, PE, for instance, uh, of uh, ES Ceramics stand right now at 16.34. I think this is this is the based on the latest uh, trailing 12 months numbers, uh, 16 times price earnings ratio. And comparing that to stocks like uh, Top Glove and Supermax, which uh, we all know have benefited from the weak ringgit. Mm-hmm. And they quote their numbers in US dollars. So they benefit a lot from that. And they've had an extremely fantastic run. Top Glove is trading at 20 times. And... Uh, uh, Supermax, um, I don't have the numbers right now, but I, I suppose uh, ES Ceramics uh, would be at 16 times a cheaper entry into the glove uh, sector. Actually, actually, Supermax is trading about 15.6 times. So uh, uh, strictly speaking, just relying on this data, Supermax is right now a cheaper than ES Ceramics. John, I have to ask, what made you um, put aside this this talk? Apart, apart from the lack of ammunition um, <laughs> you mentioned, what 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 kind of made you discard this stock, um, put it aside as as not um, the the top priority for stock picks? Okay, so for many institutional investors, they've got lots of you know they got a lot of bullets in the chamber, right? But for individual investors, you've always got to make a decision: is it stock A, stock B, or stock C, right? And if you make a, a you have a plump of stock stock A. You have there's an opportunity cost element on, on say stock B and stock C, right? Julian might disagree with me because he's got a lot more bullets than I do, right? <laughs> so for the for me, my you know at that point in time, I had really plumped for stock A, and I was kind of like um, a bit a bit trepidatious if there was such a word on on ESRMIC. Uh but I was vehemently vigorously proved wrong because it went limit up yesterday up by thirty five percent, you know, and it's still trading at sixteen times earnings. So it is a bit more expensive than a, say a Kunio Yun valuation. He he buys stocks on. Uh, growing profit growth quarter on quarter, but if you, he only gets in below 12 times earnings, and this is really 16 and a bit uh, times earnings. Well, the question is how many stocks do you have in your portfolio? I mean, if you're gonna, if you're thinking that you have to put all your money in one stock, uh, that is a huge psychological barrier because a, a lot of fear. Uh, you said you you were filled with trepidation because maybe you were thinking that oh you you want to put your millions into this one stock, <laughs> and that <laughs> is very that is very different from say adding just one of this uh, which is a good quality stock to your portfolio that consists of many stock right and uh, if you had done that then this would be part of the stock that had jumped uh, you know like 30% or 50% uh, in the last well year. it's, it's yeah. kind of like uh, when I started looking at the stock it's 35 cents you know and it's 55 it's at 51 now so it's almost doubled in the last three or four weeks well, John, the, the last quarter um, they announced yesterday there was a slight drop in, in quarterly EPS, right? Uh, you, do you think that that was a blip that would that change your mind? Yeah, it is because you know until until bas- basically the uh, the earnings announced last night was the first quarter of the new financial year ending May twenty sixteen. But in the preceding ten straight quarters, they made more money in that quarter than the previous um, uh, consecutive quarter. Okay, so on on a sequential basis, so that. Is very very good. Very not not many companies can do that, quarter on quarter for ten straight quarters, right? So the fact that the first quarter of twenty six of FY twenty sixteen was actually slightly below, not by a lot, slightly below, um, 
you know, it, it kind of, if, if you're a Kun Yuyun investor, you would say, okay, right, maybe the trend is stopping. Maybe it's time to take some money off the table or at least put some red flags out mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. and uh, sell more vigorously into the second quarter if that downtrend continues. Well, because the company did flag a, a little caution, right? They, they did say they were a bit cautious going forward. Yeah, the thing is, when I looked at the last quarterly announcement, also in, in uh, the last uh, financial year, actually, this is in, in May, um, they also sounded the same word of caution, but their earnings still went you know, ballistic. So maybe there's one of those Chinaman companies that just say, oh, <laughs> Overly no, we, cautious. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. like those girls in school, and they, they're very good in school. They always get A pluses, but then after the exam, they go, oh, fail, 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 yeah. fail. But then, <laughs> can, can I A plus on? You know what I mean? Just girls do that, okay? Some guys also. <laughs> Um, but I'm sure you are one of them, Melissa. You would have done always A+. Plus, but they say, oh, Phil. And then the boys come out there, oh, I've aced it. And then you got 65%, right? <laughs> Different standards, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you, you said that uh, ECS is a, 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 a proxy to, oh, sorry, ES uh, Ceramics is a proxy to uh, the rubber glove industry. So, so rather than look at, um, at ES itself, should we be looking at the rubber glove industry and watching for headwinds there? Well, a lot of people already have cottoned onto that fact. Right? Look at Top Glove. Top Glove is, has gone, get, gone gangbusters, right? And they just announced earnings uh, as, as well other rubber glove makers. And they're a bit more expensive to get into and they're a bit heavier as well, right? Uh, eight bucks, seven bucks, five bucks, four bucks, right? This is still 51 cent, you know. Well, uh, there is a case, I think, to have uh, some small cap stocks in your portfolio as some kind of a zing to add to your portfolio, right? Uh, of course, you, you have many stocks in there and some of those stocks are, are stable big cap stocks. But uh, the advantage of a small investor over an institutional investor is that they can buy into this uh, s- uh, small cap, small stocks with enough uh, ammunition to push the needle on returns. Whereas if, if a big institutional investor bought this stock, uh, it wouldn't make a dent on the portfolio, but uh, it can make a dent on the small investor. Mm. Correct, correct. Yeah, agreed. Now, we were discussing the performance of ES Ceramics uh, before the break. Now, let's compare it with um, the performance of Digi.com, which is a much bigger stock. Yeah, so um, it's called something for everybody here, right? From the big boys <laughs> to the small boys. Um, so Digi basically had a very um, torrid quarterly earnings uh, result. Mm. They had their share price whacked down yesterday. Um, basically, they had a 15% drop quarter on quarter uh, drop in earnings in, in that profit. And um, of course, attributed with a high cost on high traffic costs, um, uh, increased competition, competition mm-hmm. and you know cheaper entry level plans from their uh, from their competitors. You know, uh, Alpus were flat. You know, postpaid Alpus contracted 1.2%. So basically, their share price has been whacked down. Uh, they closed yesterday at 5.30 and more, in fact, more selling on, on Digi shares this morning. They're currently at 5.27. Although on a valuation basis, they still trade about 20 times earnings. Um, you know, they're starting to look a bit cheap from a, I guess, from a, from a, defensive portfolio position for, for someone who is in the, the, the dividend stability game. You know, so for, for, for people or for insti investors who might be interested in this kind of profile, uh, I, I don't know, right? Um, this has been uh, traditionally a dividend-paying stock. So if you uh, want to uh, be interested in income and dividends, uh, this is a stock for you. But of course, uh, if you had held this stock uh, since uh, March of 2015, uh, the stock has come off from 660, uh, 640, 650, uh, right down to 480 and before rebounding to uh, right now, the price is around uh, just above five ringgit. And they pay 100 percent of the profits in dividends wow. um, and so the question then becomes uh, what is left behind for them to invest right mm-hmm. uh, how, how do they 
invest in technological upgrade. Uh, you know, they have this ambition to be uh, providing, to be the biggest provider of LTE. They want to provide voice over that LTE and uh, in fact charge more for it. So where does the investment money come from? Uh, the answer is that they actually have uh, uh, incurred some debt uh, and that uh, may make sense at this point in time because debt is cheap and that overall, if you combine uh, using cash to pay dividends and then using borrowing uh, to expand, uh, that actually overall uh, improves your ROE, your, your returns on equity. Well, I mean, the investing community is still very, uh, well, kind of like bullish on the stock. You know, consensus target prices somewhere in the region of 564, which means that the potential gain is about 6.5% odd given where current levels are. Uh, I got this note from CLSA yesterday. Um, the analyst there says he's got a conviction buy, which is basically he's quite... Um, die, die, yeah. must die, die must buy. Die, die must buy. He likes it. La. He <laughs> likes it. And he's got a target price of 640, right? Which is a lot. He likes the strong balance sheet. Um, <laughs> what do you think? No, okay, I, I just want to go back to this uh, idea of actually paying out all your money in cash and uh, borrowing to invest for the future, right? What What do what, you guys think of that strategy? What benefits, yeah, right? What, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty, I don't know if it's uh, tactical, tactical, which is short term, or is it strategic? Is it a strategic position? If you're position? a Chinaman, a, a businessman, you would you know, basically vomit all your porridge back into the bowl, right? Because that's kind of like anathema to the, <laughs> to the okay. Chinaman business. So, it was such a graphic image. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, um, so, so, what do you think is your guess of DG.com's returns on equity? Because they, they do this uh, special uh, debt structure, right? And they have an, uh, an ROE, right? What, what the, the intention of actually doing that is to improve your returns. So what do you think is the ROE of DG? I low low. Okay, I, I'll tell you. And I think that there is no other company um, listed anywhere in Malaysia or perhaps in the world that has this ROE. Um, as of uh, actual numbers, as of uh, 2014, it's almost 300% ROE. My I mean, goodness. I mean, CIMB has a target ROE. I think it's uh, at some, you know, low double-digit or single-digit ROE. Right? I think most, 12 or something. Yeah, most companies would have, uh, you know, if, if you had a 20% ROE, that would be considered good, right? Mm -hmm. But actually, DG has a 300% ROE. So that means that the capital structure is so efficient because they're doing this dividend it's and It's because thing. of this structure. Yeah. Is that how they achieve this ROE? Yeah. In 2012, that ROE was actually 560% according to research by Kananga. So Jules, Amazing. why, why yeah. aren't more companies using this structure then? It's a risky structure actually because uh, you're spending all your money and you're, you're going to raise borrowings, right? So it's pretty yeah. risky. You must make sure that you can execute it. Well, actually, the precise ROE is 333. Oh, wow, it gets better. Or 332.91, which... <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you know, if you're Telenor, and basically Telenor is the holding company here, the, the Norwegian telco, right? Um, outliers or small economies like Malaysia are basically just feeder nations to the larger CAPEX uh, plans, right? So uh, people like Telenor are trying to penetrate the sub-Indian sub markets, you know, the Middle Asian markets, you know, India... And all, the, all, all, all they're doing is basically you know, sucking back as much money as they can from their frontier countries to, to feed the, 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 the beast that is India, right? Or, or whatever growth, massive growth market there is. So um, if you're a dividend investor, you just go along for the ride. Mm -hmm. And you've been yep. doing that for the last few years. It's hugely profitable. Yep. I think also the, the telco sector is at the crossroad uh, because of all the developments that are coming on the internet. People now 
uh, use a lot more data. They even use data to make calls. So mm -hmm. calls are no longer the main uh, revenue generator and calls have, a, I suppose, a higher margin, right? Because when you're making a call, you're charged yeah. by the minute. Whereas on data, you're just paying a monthly lump sum and you get to use all that data for all the calls that you need to make. And that's changing and that, that's going to cause... Uh, this uh, you know havoc on telco's earnings. I think havoc lah. This one. Okay, one more dimension to this item here on, on Digi Jules. And I want to ask you because you're a former broker yourself, albeit on the insti side. Um, when I got the note, okay, and you know the basically the analyst had a conviction by so die die must buy six four, yes. six bucks forty share price, right? Is that the, the actual call of it? Die die. Must <laughs> yeah, that, that should be that one should be, in that, I category. Like that yeah, category. Yeah, yeah. It was actually uh, inverted commas DDMB, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but the broker, the sales guy, in his email said, I'm not so sure. I'll wait to see what the other Selco earnings look like first. The earnings downgrades are still ongoing. So, mm -hmm. that's a bit weird, right? Because the sales guy is, is not so sure about his analyst. So, is that such a thing? Of course. Is, does it send wrong signal? Is. Yeah. Um, the, I think the problem for analysts to have an all-encompassing call is that uh, there are so many different kinds of investors. I mean, if you are um, just trying to track the index, then you would include the stock in your portfolio regardless of what the recommendation is. I mean, someone uh, may recommend a sell on Tanaga, but because the Tanaga is a big stock on the index, you have to include that in your portfolio. Uh, similar with DG, um, if you're an income investor investing in dividend stocks, you have to buy DG. But if you're a momentum player, then uh, DG may not be something that you would buy into, right? Mm. So, um, I, I mean, it's hard to have. An, in fact, I think we saw an article that uh, proposed doing away with recommendations simply because there's so many types of investors. Yeah, yeah. it's just mucks around in your mind doesn't yeah, it too yeah. many data points too many data points. okay as we uh, wrap up the show let's uh, take a quick look at the share prices of digi.com and ES Ceramics okay ES Ceramics this morning seeing uh, about a profit taking after yesterday's mercurial 34% advance uh, down by 6 cents to 49 cents and uh, Digi I think still under under pressure you know like the Queen song <laughs> okay, still 3 cents lower 5.27 all right, you've been listening to the SM Show on the Morning Run with me, Melissa Idris, Julian Ng, and Kusu Chuang. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.